Frank takes a lot of love and guesswork. Thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. We're three hermanas who are moms, wives, and share how we do life, family, and faith. Join our familia as we learn together, laugh, and have sometimes loud and crazy conversations. Welcome to A Little Mass. Hola familia, welcome to episode 85 of A Little Mass. You're here with your hermanas, Mabel and Evelyn. Mm -hmm. And we are actually recording this on a Monday. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say live. I was like, yeah. We're live. recording this live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's actually never live. Usually, here's a little insider <laughs> note. We usually record Fridays. Yes. And the episode goes live on Tuesdays, right? Which is why you'll hear us talk about the week and how it's gone and everything. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, it just started. How do you know how the week has gone? <laughs> because we're psychic. Like we're that. just, yeah, we just know it's going to be a bad week. Uh, no, but it's because usually our week is, has ended pretty much. You know, mm -hmm. it's on a Friday. So, uh, but. Uh, tired for a Monday. Yeah, I woke up really tired, too. You I did. I cannot weekend. lie. Really? Kinda. But you had, okay, we just had your little ones. His little birthday party oh, yeah. on Friday. So okay. you had all of that. And it's like, I bet your adrenaline's just pumping because you're trying to, you know, you're go, go, go when you're yeah. hosting things. Which is weird because I thought it wasn't going to be nearly as intensive because typically we have them at the house, yeah. right? And so when you have them at your house, you need to do all the prep work, like the house. Decorating everything. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. um, so every single time we have a party, we add like a piece of furniture to the house. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, oh, we need this now. Yeah. I think everyone does stuff like that, though. Yeah. Okay. But it was just as nerve wracking. Yeah. Nerve wracking as it was before. But at least you didn't have to clean. That was, well, I still stayed. I still picked up because I was like, I will not leave this place oh, looking at mess. That's I piled up all like the, all the plates and everything uh -huh. on one table. So it was just like a quick clean. Yeah. Because I was like, they were actually really on top of it. Yeah, they, they had were. somebody coming around every like, you know. He was a little awkward, but he was a little awkward. I was like, <laughs> "Do you want my plate? <laughs> what do you want?" <laughs> he was a little awkward. But he was he a kid. Anything. Yeah, though, he was know? a kid. So I'm yeah, like, gotta, you got to learn how these. Yeah, you got to learn these good like it, social skills. It isn't. It isn't less like less tiring, but it is nice to just get to go home and you don't have to deal with true. it anymore. That's true. Because I had like my uh, my daughter's you know little get together or whatever mm -hmm. at our house and. It was just us. Yeah. It wasn't totally like a huge us. thing, but I was the next day I was like, all right, yeah. let's put on the gloves and let's clean. And <laughs> I usually I'm just so tired because I did it on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired. I was just like, I don't want to deal with it. But I was like, no, I have to because we moved, you know, we moved both tables yeah. into the living room. It was just and she's bumping and everything and she wants to play mm -hmm. with all the toys that she just got. So I had to just clean up. Yeah. But it's still a whole thing. I'd rather, though, do it the way that you guys did it. Just do it somewhere else. Yeah, you got to do it clean for that minute, but it's still not a huge thing. Like, you got what you got to clean true. at home. That's true. Yeah. And, and I think most people, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh -huh. Maybe most people would just walk out and leave because technically, you know, they can clean it themselves. Yeah. But there was just some, well, okay, they closed at 11. So uh -huh. for some reason, we were still there. Yeah. Um, not at 11, but, you know, it was kind of Oh, I was going to say, they closed at 11? at 11. Well, it was a freaking night. Oh, okay. But I felt bad because it was kind of like empty now. And I'm like, all oh, these poor people, like, I don't want that we're holding them up from leaving early. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, yeah. on time. So, but I think even, let me go back. I think uh -huh. even if we would have left earlier, I probably still would have picked yeah, up. Yeah, you probably still would have. Because it's like whenever we go somewhere, if like um, Emma is like spilling, you know, she's a kid. I mean, yeah. She's a little, she's only like one, so she 
drops all over the place, yes. I still pick it all up because yeah. it's like I don't want them to be like, look at that mess that that family <laughs> left behind. There was one time. Okay, so my daughter, for some reason right now, isn't loving rice, but usually she loved rice. Mm-hmm. And you know rice with toddlers. It gets everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time we were eating at like a, a Panda Express, mm-hmm. like that. And she, yeah, it was all on the ground. And I tried like to scoop up as much as I yeah. could afterwards, but she was acting so rowdy and crazy. Mm-hmm. I just had to leave. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt so guilty. I was like, these people are like, this mob just comes. And <laughs> I tried scooping as much as I could, but she was going ballistic. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, like they are now. Yeah. So, Familia, you're going to be hearing our kiddos today because Evie and I are both mom and mode. Yeah. Right. We have our kiddos with us. And. You missed out on all of the great fun before we hit record. Oh, yeah. We had a takeaway toys. I we still had, have one here with yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, she's cradling over their legs. We had to talk about sharing. Uh, it, it's just toddlers, man. Yeah. It's really hard for me sometimes with my little one only because she um, she's very intelligent, mm-hmm. but she's still working on verbal skills, mm-hmm. right? So it's hard for her to communicate and for me as well to her because I just don't know what are you understanding, what are you not, right? you know? And so, especially when it comes to discipline, that's where I hit a snag, mm. you know? Oh, God. They go just, check it on yeah, them. Yeah, go check it on them because they sound like they're just, they're killing each other over there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they're playing. They're playing, yeah. yeah. I figured only because I hadn't heard cries yet. Yeah. So my daughter loves to scream for everything. <laughs> it's just like they were playing catch earlier and when it was her turn to catch. Ah! <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. So anywho, today's episode is a doozy. OK, it'll make us both laugh, maybe cry and get upset for a lot of different reasons. Hi, Emma. Um, now, uh, we entitled it Welcome to the Real World. And it's all about how to navigate parenting with kids who are growing up and how to prepare them for the real world. But it doesn't stop there. Okay, families don't think, well, I don't care about parenting. I don't got kids or whatever. We're then going to end it with the fact that, you know what, there's a lot of things we can learn from these parents that maybe overparent and maybe even appreciate things that our parents did for us. Uh, to prepare us for the real world. And we're going to end with talking about uh, two snap judgments that people make when they first meet you and how to overcome them and things that you can do to, you know, better your situation, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationships, whatever it may be. They're both based on two um, separate articles, one from the New York Times that was entitled How Parents Are Robbing Their Children of Adulthood. That's the first one we're going to hit on. And then the last one is based on Dr. Travis Bradbury's article for... Um, LinkedIn that uh, it was entitled Two Snap Judgments People Make When They Meet You and How to Overcome Them. So stay tuned after the commercial break. Stay tuned after it's the like, commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know when like, you tune into like Oprah or whatever oh. and it like, breaks down the episode Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, because we want you to stay tuned, okay? We don't want you to feel like, ah, because it's going to be, it's a good one. All right, let's first delve into, Evie, the one about how parents are robbing their children of adulthood. Okay, so we came across this one because we have toddlers who are soon going to be entering the preschool or transitional kindergarten, kindergarten era. Yes. And so um, we've been having to navigate through, like, what's going Well, in our household, and I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. Like, 
what his education is going to look like. Yeah. You know, we've been con- we've been contemplating since he was in the womb, um, a private since school he was in, the, <laughs> in the womb, <laughs> yeah, about a private school, which um, ha- comes really highly recommended by me. Yes, <laughs> and so um, not that I don't love public schools. Right, that is not why. It's just in our area, and I worked for a public, a private school system that I just, I, I really love. I really believe in. I, I know, I know the administrators. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the way they run things. And right. you know, it's a, it's a Christian private school, and I just, I, my heart just is there. I love right. it. Right, and so it falls in line with our Christian tradition, our Christian views as mm-hmm. well, which I, which I would. Not that we're not doing a great enough job at, you know, teaching him about God and Jesus and the Bible and all that stuff. Yeah. But it's always nice to have some reinforcement. Yes. You know? Um, and so we like that aspect of it. We also like that the classrooms are smaller, which is something that we know we kind of want to have for them. So my husband and I have been talking about that a lot lately because it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, it is. Um, and so the other thing that we like about it is, you know, the fact that it has that before school and after school function. So... We have to go to work at a certain time, mm-hmm. and it instead of me having to go through and switch my schedule completely, I can just drop them off at the before school, mm-hmm. and um, and it still fits with my work schedule. Yeah, and then my husband can drop them, can pick them up, and if he's running late, it's okay. We know that we have that backup support. So yeah. I feel like it's just going to be us looking at it. It's just going to be more like a. Uh, Sorry, my, my daughter. Yeah, she's like, don't you say I'm trying to grab the toy, mother. She's not letting me think. Yeah, asking for words, and I'm also trying to figure out what she wants. Yeah. She just wants a toy. She just wants the toy. Okay, I just had to reset it for you. Um, you anyway. did that quick and one-handed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. So we've been thinking about that. We also have we have also looked at the pros and cons of both. That's yeah. the public school setting and the private school setting. Because also there charter are schools. Yeah, and there are right. Let's going back to like putting them in a Christian private school. One of the big uh, downfalls could be you know being within this Christian bubble, mm-hmm. and they aren't really ready for quote unquote the real world, right? Right, and all that comes with it. How to. Um, carry themselves within it Mm -hmm. and uh so it's very important that they don't just live within this christian bubble that they you know that they that not that they are like i remember one time i was talking to this person and they were like well you can't just thrust them out to the wolves i'm like but i'm not saying that i'm just (laughs) saying you know we call it being missional minded like knowing like look i can have friends Mm -hmm. that don't think like I do, don't believe in the things that I believe in, but I can still love them and show them who Jesus is through Mm -hmm. my life. And it's, it's I feel like it'd be a little harder when all you know and have are Christian friends. Yeah, that are around you, you know? It's like, that's all you know, that's all you're surrounded with, so how can you have that missional mindset? It's a little harder to be able to um, relate to somebody that's not part of your same little bubble, your clique. Exactly. And, And which is when it's, and then what begins to happen is we just we always just want to be around people that just think like us, right? Because it's comfortable, you know. Yes. You feel safe, which yes, that that could be very true. Mm-hmm. But you know, Jesus wasn't just hanging around the people that were like him of his day, mm-hmm. and he calls us specifically, you know, to go out into the world mm-hmm. to meet people that do not know him and share his love with them. Right. So that's what I want for my kids, and I know you want that for yours too. So there are some some downsides, but. 
again, you just, you have to talk about them and not every experience is the same. I have great friends that have come out of private um, Christian school systems that yes, in the moment, their friends are Christian, you know, they're lifelong friends, but yet they have navigated the real world wonderfully mm-hmm. and have friends that don't believe what they believe in and they show the love of Christ to them every single day mm-hmm. in great ways. They don't just close themselves off to it. So, right. you know, you just, you never know which one your kid's going to be. And at the end of the day, I mean, you can put them in a public school and they turn out just fine too. You just... You, yeah, I mean, it's up to, I think it's up to the kid and the parenting. Yeah. So, exactly. which brings us to the article that we're reading about about the um, about how parents are robbing their children of adulthood, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I think I have like, towed the line with a little bit. Which you know, before and the article mentions it, it used to be a, it used to be called um, helicopter parenting in the eighties, which yeah. was you know, it's always hovering over them, and it kind of came out of that need for you know trying to protect your kids. Yeah. So they're on. The playground, which I think now this is why we don't have those, you know, the, the same playground set up that yeah, we they had. Don't the same thing. <laughs> Girl, there's no up. seesaw. There's no nothing. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, and I, I get it. You know, you want what's best for your kids. So that's where that kind of came from. You know, you, you wanted to always be around, make sure that they're always safe and protected. You know, they don't run off with a stranger type yeah. of thing. <laughs> and so that has um, evolved into different aspects of. Um, well, yeah. They said that, you know, in the 80s, it was helicopter parenting. And then the 90s, it became intensive mm-hmm. parenting. I was like, hey, it's just getting like <laughs> worse and worse, which meant not just constantly monitoring children, but they mm-hmm. said also wanting to teach them. Right. Which is when, you know, the homeschool movement really like blew up because it's like, OK, I'm, I am, you know, going to take over every single aspect of my kid's life, socially, right. educationally, yeah. you know, yeah. it, just, it is what it is. And so now we have these snowplow parents. Or yeah. bulldozing parents. I think there was a, like a lawnmower. Also, it's one of those <laughs> three. You can. But it's a slow, plow, slow plowing parenting. Yeah. Which is what you tend to see mostly with affluent families mm-hmm. who have the means to be able to take all the obstacles out of the way, so that the child never has to um, experience failure, and um, they're able to meet the goals yeah. that they've set out to. Because the parents always forging that path for them. Yeah. Um, Having said that, though, the article does say that it's not just the more affluent that are doing it, but the families that maybe don't have the means are also, you know, taking some aspects of snowplow snowplow parenting. For example, myself, I'm not affluent, (laughs) but I can see how I could very easily become a snowplow parent because, you know, you want the best for your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, but I wasn't raised with snowplow parents, and so I feel like... Yeah, maybe I had some downfalls here and there, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that it helped me learn how to stand on my own two feet, which is one thing that, we, that this article is discussing is that that's not necessarily the case with these kids that come from snowplow parenting backgrounds yeah. or households. Well, because they're not even given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so the kids become used to, I mean, they, they were talking about some crazy <laughs> stuff, right? Like uh, you were telling me earlier, like was it from Stanford? Yeah, yeah. Stanford Dean was like that, you know, they had seen parents pretty much setting up play dates. Yes. With college, you know, like, was it roommates or just college people so that yes. their their kids could have somebody. So, social to, interaction. Yeah, social interaction. It's like, who does that? No, I saw one. Somebody said that a parent, they had witnessed a parent doing like a FaceTime for their kid with their roommate because of stolen peanut yes. butter. I'm like, how is this child going to ever learn conflict? How there, to handle it? Yeah, there was one where the child 
Did it, and they're like, not even children. Let's not okay. use a child. The adult. Yeah, this adult grown kid person <laughs> had, they didn't like sauce. So mm-hmm. all their life, their parents had helped them avoid sauce. Yeah. So now they get to college. They're college age kids. And look at the menu. Look at the what's being offered. Oh and it's gosh. sauce. And this this person has a breakdown because they don't know how to deal with sauce being introduced I into their can't. world because their, their parents have shielded them from that their whole life. Yeah. Which is a parent that I don't want to become. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <I> Nobody does. <laughs> And, and again, they're probably well-intentioned because like, as a parent, you want the best for your kids. So I'm looking at it from that standpoint. Yes. You know, okay. sometimes, and it does say, you know, it, this, all came, this article was all written in light of that whole Varsity Blues scandal that happened earlier this year. Yeah, we talked about yes, that, right? The Lori Loughlin thing and Felicity Huffman. Huffman. And she just got charged, mm-hmm. right? She's going to do how long? A month? Yeah, not, 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 not that long. But still, it's probably like... <laughs> It's bad for her because she's never done something like this. True. But also, what's the population going to be around her? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not. I don't want to. I don't make. I don't want to make judgment yeah. calls yeah. here. No, but going with the Varsity Blues thing, you were about to tell me something about a blog that she had written or something. And I was like, <laughs> hold it, hold it, hold it for the podcast because I may have thoughts. Okay. So this whole article is talking about, you know, like I said, the snowplow parenting uh-huh. and how you know, you're basically handicapping your child when you remove all obstacles. So yeah. Felicity Huffman, she, ha- the article says she's long, ex- she has a long, ex- <laughs> Felicity <laughs> Huffman has long extolled the benefits of a parenting philosophy in which children are to be treated as adults. Mm. Which I did not know. Yeah, not from, not from the whole varsity blues no, scandal. She, was she the one that had someone take like the SAT or the ACT for her daughter or something like that because I think her daughter so. has like a, does she have a learning disability or something and she just didn't think she could get a good enough score to get into the school that she was in. I don't know. It was something like that because I remember Felicity Huffman said that she what she regretted was her daughter saying like mom why didn't you believe in me mm. and I bet forget the the month long sentencing that that's got to kill her that killed her that hurt yeah yeah for your kid to say that mm-hmm. and it's the truth though yeah well yeah cuz i know like with me with um with my son like we're we're learning basics cuz what parenting is is you know you have to teach them how to become and i tell him all the time i always tell him like baby i'm teaching you how to become an adult because one day i told him this this past week one day you have to stand on your own to feed my husband just saying like you think he understands everything that you're saying (laughs) i don't know but he needs to know that this is why we have these rules in place yeah this is why i have him do certain things this is why we don't allow him to do other things Mm -hmm. so sometimes you know we're getting ready and like i'll help him you know put his pants on but not all the way up, just kind of yeah. like through his legs, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, I tell him, okay, stand up and pull him all the way up. And he's like, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah. You can. I've seen you do it before. Especially with the pants I got him for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> the baby boy maternity pants. <laughs> with the elastic <laughs> pants. <laughs> yes, because Target carries those. <laughs> Evie, that's all they had. Yeah, that's what I they, looked everywhere and yeah. I was like, why do they all have this little elastic <laughs> pad? But they're great, especially yes. when you start potty training them. Yes, because right. the other ones have the, have the the button and they're rougher. To and like, I tried to get him to button up his pants and he can't. And yeah. those, because he, he can't. He can't look over his little, he's not a big tummy, but he uh-huh. can't go down and look and see where he's supposed to clasp <laughs> oh, it from. Oh, that's when you pinch yourself. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, okay, so that I help him with. But it, it doesn't bother me, but it 
and it doesn't frustrate me. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but I don't want him to ever think that he can't. Yeah. I want him to try at least. Uh-huh. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to make with him is, okay, try it. I've seen you do it before. And then when he finally does it, he does a great job, and I applaud him for it. Yeah. And that's him, okay, let me adjust him for you. Because I'm yeah, I'm not going to let him go I'm out. like a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. So Felicity Huffman. Oh, sorry. No, no. So her thing was about she treated her kids like adults. Yeah, so she had a parenting blog. Um, it's called What the Flicka, which was taken down that week back in March. Oh, wow. Um, so she described um, raising children as one long journey of overcoming obstacles. In another mm-hmm. post, she praised school children for walking into a building every day full of the unknown, the challenging, the potential of failure. So all those things kind of contradict exactly what she Exactly what she did, yeah. For, you know? <laughs> she did because she... She was this type of a person. She was affluent, and she was a snowplowing parent. Mm-hmm. She knew that this, whatever standardized test it was that she had someone take for her daughter to get a higher score, she wanted to remove that obstacle out of the way right. so her daughter can get into a good school. So she was not treating her daughter at all like an adult and letting her fail. Exactly. So one of the things that the article also um, states, and I kind of like highlighted this, was um, that it's a parent's job to support the children and use their adult wisdom to prepare for their future when their children are mature enough to do so. Mm-hmm. At this age, my child's only three. Yes, he's yeah. not mature enough to navigate the adult real world, mm-hmm. but I need to provide him with the tools based on what I've learned yeah. so that he can one day be able to take his own steps into the into the adult world yeah. and be able to feel, you know, secure in himself. And of course, my daughter as well. But yes. she's a lot smaller, so we're still learning. <laughs> yeah. We're still learning smaller concepts. Yes. No, and <laughs> you said something interesting. I think like us, for instance, being first generation here in the U.S., um, we, we do want so much for our kids. Mm-hmm. Also because of everything that we've been given. Yes. Right? Because of all the love and support that mom and dad gave us, we were able to, you know, go to school, get good jobs, all of that, which is wonderful. But we have to be cautious as to like what you said, not not then try to make it easier for our kids right. just because of our own past experiences. Like it was so hard. I remember having to figure out everything for financial aid and I had no one to go to because, you know, mom and dad yeah. couldn't read this stuff. And yeah. it wasn't like back then everything was easily accessible in Spanish. Now mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Like even for just Medi-Cal, I get like both the Spanish and the English packet, you know, mm-hmm. just because I guess my last name is Beltran and they're like, oh, we don't know which language this lady needs. So uh, let's send them both to her. But, uh, Back then, it wasn't the case. And so you just have to navigate everything. You have an issue with financial aid at school. I had to go to the office, figure that out. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you see so many times parents go with their kids. They're sitting there right there waiting in front of yeah. the financial aid office. And it's like, my mama never came with me. I can't say that I won't be that parent, I'm though. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't say that I will not help my kids and want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably why it happened. Was I you mean, want to know what's going it's on? It's one thing to help your kid, though, Evie. It's another thing to do it for them. Oh no, I'm not going to fill out his applications for him. But I mean, even with financial aid, like if something goes wrong, you're, I'm sure your son will tell you, and you can kind of guide him through yeah. it. But then l- tell him, okay, this is what you're going to go. Go to the office, talk to them, blah blah blah, and then let him do it. Yeah, you know, they'll guide him through it. But he's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but at the end of the day, you, you want him to not. Like the article was saying, now we see kids having such bad anxiety to do minimal tasks, to call customer service, to do this and Mm -hmm. that. And we don't we don't want that for our kids. If you had the means Uh to be able to forge an easier path, though, would you? No. Yeah. Would you? 
No. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't either. Let them, I could, that would just be setting them up for failure. Yes. So then they wouldn't know how to, how to navigate social interactions, you know, with people who gave them some resistance. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Um, because e even now I see it all the time in a lot of different settings, whether or not parents are really um, affluent, maybe they're just really well-known uh, in the community or whatever. And I would see that some kids had better opportunities because of that. And it did kind of break my heart because it just felt like, but it was also a motivator, you know, that I have to work just that much harder to really prove myself because I don't have the parent who has name recognition or to get me that internship or to, you know, get me this or that. So I, I would not give my kids that leg up just because I was affluent or whatever. I just, I couldn't. Within me, it would like kill my soul to do all that. So now we're in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> like okay fine we gotta go to the real world <laughs> and this last article that we're going to discuss about the two snap judgments I found this very interesting I'm like what well, how do people judge me and you know it's kind of true when you first meet somebody these are whether or not it immediately looks like this whatever it is that you're feeling about this person that you're just meeting kind of goes into these two categories so Dr. Travis uh, Bradbury uh in this article uh lists two things that Amy Cuddy, a psychologist at the Harvard Business School, was saying people automatically just think about when they first meet you. The first one is, can I trust this person? Mm. Okay. Now, she, I think, is speaking specifically in a business context, but it might also be true just in a personal context as well, in a social setting. So the first snap judgment is, can I trust this person? The second one is, can I respect this person's abilities? Right, or mm -hmm. capabilities. Okay. Uh, Cuddy was saying that in a research, according, uh, according to the research, 80 to 90% of a first impression is based on these two traits. We often assume that competence is the most important factor, right? When someone's meeting you in a business setting, can, is this person capable of doing this job? Right. But she was saying that really it's trustworthiness that then leads into somebody knowing whether or not you are capable or not. Right. And so they were saying there are there are different ways, they're listing different ways that you can master the art of the first impression, right? It only takes seconds for someone to decide if you're trustworthy and competent, which is pretty scary to think yeah. that seconds they can know I can trust this person, they can they can handle this job. But you know, that's true though, because where I'm at, sometimes uh -huh. I have to talk to, to people and I've noticed that when I come in confident and secure and I don't and it's like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Even if I'm just like, I don't have a complete clear picture yet, <laughs> yeah. but as long as I portray that I, I do know uh -huh. what's going on, I tend to get better results. That's good. That, that's so good. I don't know if that's part of the conversation here. but No, no but <laughs> that's good, Evie. Now going back to what we're talking about. No, but that makes sense. And so they probably even would give you, would be willing to give you more responsibility because they trust that you are capable capable of this because you yeah. came in so confidently yeah because i know like sometimes i'm talking when i first started i didn't know anything yeah so i would i would come in and be real insecure and you could kind of you can tell yeah i wasn't secure in what i was saying so why would you want to trust me that's true you know, with it's the like, question mm, this you girl have, can't handle this you know yeah go on um okay so she was saying if someone you're trying to influence doesn't trust you you're not going to get very far in fact you might even elicit suspicion because mm. you come across as manipulative so a couple of things that they list out let the person you're meeting speak first let yeah. them take the lead in the conversation and you can always ask good 
And I would add insightful questions to help this along. But taking the floor right away shows dominance. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. If I come in like, hello, my name is Mabel Beltran. Nice to meet you. Let me just tell Mm -hmm. you a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, but can I ask some questions first? Because I'm the one hiring, right? Yeah. Um, Now, this is a little different, I feel like, in social settings. Sometimes I... But not really, because I've noticed when I come in strong, when I'm meeting somebody, like let's say at church, right, a mm-hmm. new visitor, mm-hmm. I can be like, hi, my name is Mabel, hi, um, I'm, I'm the worship leader, blah, 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 blah. It's just I give them no opportunity to talk about themselves. Right. So for me, it's better to be like, hi, my name is Mabel, I lead worship, uh, what's your name, um, how did you find us? Mm-hmm. And then they can talk to me, and I feel like um, we can then open up the means of communication yeah. and they don't they feel... have eyes that can see that you're leading worship. No, but it's before <laughs> service <laughs> starts. Okay. They don't know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it, it helps to build at least a first step yes. towards relationship for them to be feel comfortable. So it sounds like what you want is you want that person to feel like you're interested in who they are. Yes. So because it's true. Right. I am interested. I want to know how you found us, who you are, where do you come from? You know, like at our church, we get a lot of students. And so it's always it's always so interesting to me to learn where they come from, because they're not all from California or Southern California. And so it's just it's a lot of fun to get to know them and and how they come to meet us here at our church, Mm -hmm. you know, type of a thing. Another one was using positive body language, becoming cognizant of our gestures, expressions and tone of voice and making certain that they're positive. Uh, which will then draw people to you. It says like ants to a picnic, right? Using an enthusiastic tone, uncrossing mm-hmm. your arms, maintaining eye contact. Right. Maintaining eye contact it's is hard. big for no. It's big for me. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. You ain't good. You ain't too good with eye contact. I hate you start eye your contact. eyes start wandering around. I hate I don't. It. I have to purposely look at people, and the whole time I feel like I'm take. I, I need to divert my eyes because no, it's don't. like. Because some of us are big with eye contact. I can't. We are. Like, for instance, this is why whenever you and Sally sometimes are, like, going through our outline as we're going Uh in the... And I'm just... I'm like, can y'all just look at me, please? Because am I talking to myself? And I know... And I'm sure you're both paying attention, but that's that's how I gauge that you're listening to me and what I have to say is important, which is why I can read people very easily when it comes in conversation. Uh It's harder to read somebody when they're kind of looking away because then I feel like, oh, what I'm saying is boring you, huh? So you really, so when you asked me how I was, you really didn't care. No, okay, but let me get, yes. But so let me tell, let me tell you, let me ask Uh you this though. Yeah. So when, okay, I just have this, I just really uncomfortable people are starting back at me. Yes. You know? I I know, I know, I'm sure there's. So can you just like do small glances out? I do, but like, look right now. No, I'm me. Me. Am I allowed to do? Yes, but the thing is, then, then it takes it completely. It's not just a a quick. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Everybody's different. Uh Because for me, I think if you start glancing over, it feels like you want to come out of the conversation already and get an out. And that's when I'm like, okay, I'll wrap this up. So I'll see you later, girl. You know what I mean? Okay. So what do I do? What is my mo? I think you like even right now as we're talking. I think you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. You've been glancing here and there, and I'm not like, oh my gosh, she's done with this. You know? It's like, you can tell, it's like a different type of glance uh-huh. when someone just kind of like over it, over the conversation, or they start looking at their phone. You just need to learn how to fake it. You just gotta learn how to fake it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do it very well. Because <laughs> you're doing it really well right now. Like, I don't feel like you're not paying attention to me at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure you haven't, like, I haven't either. I, I've been glancing around too. Yeah. So I don't want it to seem like I just need you intently looking at me. No, okay. that's very uncomfortable. There's Please. people I know that intently look at you and you're just like, 
gosh, I can't. You want to just break free from the stare? So, no, so I'm not saying that. Else. Yes, I'm not <laughs> saying that, like, intently look mm-hmm. at me. I'm saying just when there's, like, long breaks. Like, let's say the whole time I'm talking to you and you're just looking at your child for, like, a good mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, that's kind of rude. That drives me crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so using positive body language, put away your phone. Always put it away, even in conversation. I'm like, sometimes it bums me out when I'm just hanging out with somebody and they're just on their phone the whole time. It's like, well, why did I make the trek? You know, for and uh, setting up our schedules. If you're gonna be on the phone the whole time, mm-hmm. this rarely ever happens. I Man, I got good friends that love me, thank God. <laughs> but um, I think I take it to like a whole another spectrum. Where like my husband and I sometimes had to talk about this. I just wouldn't even pick up my phone because I don't want to be rude. Uh-huh. And eventually, I was like, you know what? But you he, can say, excuse me. Yeah, I know. But it's because for every time he calls, it feels like it's like an important part of the conversation. <laughs> and I almost feel like, where where do, where can I fit in the, I'm sorry, can you break right there in that sad part of the story so I can pick up my phone and answer my husband? Oh, I see. It, it always it just is always at the wrong time. It wasn't like a lighthearted conversation. Yes. Like, oh, you know what? My husband, be right back. Yes, exactly. So uh, proactive uh, practice, active listening, they were saying, means concentrating on what the other person is saying rather than planning what you're going to say next. Yes, is a big one. You want to be able to answer back mm-hmm. with either anecdotes or stuff they said. Do your homework, obviously. Not creepy stuff, but simple facts that you took the time to learn from this person's LinkedIn page if it's business or whatever. Right. You don't necessarily have to do this in actual social settings, I think. You don't have to be like, so yeah, before we met for this coffee day, I actually looked up at your Facebook profile and it was saying, like, that just comes off as creepy. Well, actually, no, yeah. I used to want to use it in social settings because, really? for example, well, yeah. I feel like I would be creeped out if someone said that Not research or person because <laughs> by then, you know, I mean, I think what it, what it means by active, what I'm meaning by active listening uh-huh. in a social setting is. No, the do your homework one. Oh, yeah. is that you uh, somebody you obviously over? somebody obviously was not doing that active listening okay <laughs> did you like couple them no no i just went over active listening but you just rushed past it no i talked about it and then i went on to do your homework when the heck did that happen <laughs> anyway go on no but yes. you were saying do no. your homework no 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 because you're right you don't want to do that for a social setting well actually yeah because let's just say that you've already met the person more than once you know, so you've already had one conversation with them before. Uh-huh. You've done your active listening for it. That means that that's part of your homework. Okay, yes. If you've if you already met them. Yeah. But not like in an initial meeting. Oh, like no. Meet I don't go off and like <laughs> cyber stalk people. Yeah. They're going to be in the coffee house. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, that would, that would creep me out. But you're right. If there's been multiple meetings and like this person has invited you as their friend on Facebook yeah. or Instagram, like yes. You make a mental note. Like, oh, they said they like cats. Okay, so when... So now you get to know who kind of like what they like and what they do or what sports team they like. So you kind of have an idea. Like you're building, like you're, like you're cleaning like the little nuggets of information that you're going to use yes. to build a friendship or a working relationship with That's somebody, true. you know? That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just... <laughs> I saved that one. Huh? Yes. <laughs> and then pretty much just bring it all together, right? It's the little things that make a first impression a good one. And the importance of establishing trust cannot be overstated. And really what he's saying is these are the ways that you can establish trust, mm-hmm. right? I can trust that what... I am saying is important to you because you're listening. You've taken the time to look into our company or after a couple of meetups, you've taken the time to look into my life mm-hmm. and have seen that I have a child or I'm, you know, met my husband and things like that, that mm-hmm. you can find off of my Instagram or what have you. Um, and, and then people then, because of the fact that they can trust you now can understand or can see engage whether or not they feel that like you're competent. 
And the reason why I was saying this kind of fits in a social setting as well is because that's kind of how we go about with friendships too, with building up friendships is, can I trust you? And then, okay, are you capable of being entrusted with, you know, these things that'll make our relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, grow? Can I trust you with um, knowing certain information about me, Mm -hmm. you know, and walking alongside me or will that push you away, whatever it may be. But that's why I was saying, yes, this is very important in business, but I find a lot of these things are also very important in building relationships. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's skills that we need to have in general. Yes. When you're up in the real world. When you're in you the real world, You know what yes. I mean? Which is why if your parents are doing this for you, it gets hard to know that mm-hmm. these are the things you should do. Yeah. You know, because it just is. Well, familia, welcome to the real world. Let us know of the tips that you have learned being up in the real world. And what you think even about this whole notion of snow plowing parents, right? Because it's it's just it's an interesting thing and I feel like Sorry. Pandora's oh box. Oh gosh. Um right when we were about to wrap it up. But uh you know, I was thinking as they were talking about helicopter parenting, intensive parenting, now it's grown into snow plowing parenting. I just I'm fearful, like what is the next, next thing to come? Yeah, is it just us? you know, vicariously living our kids' lives like completely? Like, is it virtual reality now, you know, where the kid stays at home and the parent's the one that's living the life for them? Like, You're going to work for them. Yeah, it's just going to get, just God willing, it doesn't get worse, you know? Mm-hmm. Familia, thank you for joining us on this week's episode. You can find us on alittlemaspodcast.com where you can find all of our past episodes as well as this one and the links for the articles that we mentioned in this one as well. You can contact us there on our contact page. Uh, give us any episode ideas that you want to know of. Uh, we're working up on some now, um, especially because it's the month of October. We usually always talk about um, pregnancy loss, child loss in October, and that's always near and dear to our hearts. As you guys know, the three of us have experienced uh, this type of loss as well. And so just to those mamas out there, the moms out there, those that have either lost children or are facing infertility, uh, our hearts go with you. We're always thinking and praying for you. And just know that you are loved very, very much. Not just by us, but also by our amazing Lord that loves us as well. So, for now, this is Mabel. Evelyn. And Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> she partnered up on a Monday. <laughs> and you've been listening to A, a Little, Little Mass. Adios.